You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church, and I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we've got a couple of special guests in the house. Tony and, and Joan Vega are here, our missionaries to the DR, so it's good to see them. They are going to be, hey guys, they're going to be in the back at the end of the service. If y'all want to interact with them, hear more about how to be praying for them or, or talk to them about coming and visiting them in the DR, that'd be great. But we're glad that y'all are here. Um, also, just to reiterate what Elizabeth was talking about with international students, um, the deadline to sign up through the PALS or Friendship Program through UT is September 1st. And so really want to encourage you, if you're even interested slightly about uh, exploring that or want to sign up for that, that you would go ahead and check that box, let us know, so we can follow up with you and tell you kind of what you need to do to, to get connected to the PALS or Friendship Program before the deadline comes. So anyways, uh, really, really... Uh, Really excited about that opportunity to love international students in the name of Christ. So anyways, this morning, let me just say, students, school hasn't even started yet. Show up back at a worship service. Join us on Sunday morning. Really proud of you. Way to go. You're making it a priority to come and gather and worship God and spend time with him. Uh, I want all of us to know, students and everyone else, uh, God loves that. You know that, right? Like, God's, God loves when you spend time with him. And, it, and that's a, kind of a wild idea when you think about it, right? I mean, the God of the universe, the all-powerful, eternal creator of all, like, wants to be with you and wants time with you, enjoys time with you. And, and we know that that's true, not, be, not just because God created us to be with him, but when we went our own way, turned our back on him, went our own way, he didn't just let us go. He came after us, didn't he? That he came after us at great expense to himself. That's how bad he wants to be with us. I mean, I love uh, uh, the passage, 1 Peter 3, 18, one of my favorite verses where it says uh, right here, for Christ suffered, like it cost him something, cost him greatly. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to do what? To bring you to God. Like this is what he wants, for us to be with him. How amazing is that? This morning, we're beginning a a new four-part series that we're calling Abide and uh, kind of subtitled Life with God. And the idea of this series is is really for us to respond to the fact that God wants to be with us, to say, hey, let's be with God. Let's abide with him. And this word abide, I know it's kind of an old word. We don't use this word often, but it, it basically just means to remain or to dwell or to continue with or continue in a place of. It's the idea of that we would like... Uh, use modern day vernacular, do life with. We do life with God. And that this is what God wants. He wants us to do life with him. And he wants us to want to do life with him. And he wants to do life with us. I mean, it's one of the theme verses, or really you say the theme verse of this whole series is going to be John 15, verse 4. When Jesus talking to his followers, he says, abide in me and I in you. Like abide in me and I in you. Let's do life together. Let's be together. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Like, how wild is that? That this is the type of relationship God wants with us. That God the Son, Jesus, is saying, here, here, hey, let's do this. You, you abide in me, I'll, I'll abide in you. Like, let's, let's have an intimate, 
Like meaning like a relationally close relationship. Let's do life together. Let's be together. Life with God, abiding. This is what we're all invited to have. And as a church, friends, we want to help each other take Jesus up on this invitation. We want to help each other abide with Christ to, to do life with God. We want to, in fact, this year, we're going to have, I'm going to talk more about this later, but like major theme of this year for our church family is to, be, is to really help encourage each other to connect with God, to develop an intimate relationship with God, to abide with God, that we would know him more fully and that we'd be more compelled by his love. And whether you're a Christian, a Christ follower, or, or you are just here exploring faith, we want you to know like that's our heart for you. No matter where you are, we want to help you know this God that loves you so much that he wants to be with you and that he would suffer in order to bring you to him. So that's kind of where we're going this year, and that's where we're going with this four-part series. Really excited about that. But in this series, here's what we want to do. Is, is, is there's <laughs> this frustrating fact is that abiding with God, and it's amazing that we can do that. We're invited to do that. He's made the way for us to abide with him, to have an intimate relationship with him. There are, this is the frustrating part, <laughs> obstacles to that. That there are things that get in our way to abiding with God or, or having an intimate relationship with God. There are things that trip us up or slow us down or erode intimacy with God. And so in this series, we're going to address some of those big obstacles and we're going to see how to overcome them so that we can enjoy an intimate relation with God that he's made possible. And today, we're going to begin by addressing one of the biggest obstacles. And that's the obstacle of busyness. And we can all groan. <sighs> yeah. Right? Because we all feel that one, don't we? I mean, especially this time of year. It's like uh, summer's ending and now everything is in ramp-up mode. Right? Students, class about to start. Every organization you've ever given your email to, the whole history of your life are emailing you, trying to get in contact with you, to invite you to their function this, this week and over the next few weeks. Like, you're going to have a million things to do. And then for those of us who are not going back to school, but we have work, right? We're going to have projects. It's the fall. We're going to ramp up towards the end of the year. We've got, student, we've got kids going back to school. I mean, this is, this is busy. We're always busy. <laughs> but man, it feels like even more so at this season right here, we're super busy, and that can be a problem because busyness is the enemy to intimacy. Busyness is the enemy to intimacy. Krista and I, when we uh, were getting ready to get married, we met with some mentors of ours, an older uh, married couple that just, a godly couple that were helping us, you know, kind of learn some stuff to be able to do marriage well. And that was one of the things that they taught us. And we've kind of just tucked that away and, and really, like, re recognized the wisdom of that statement, that busyness is the enemy of intimacy. And so, Chris, I've been married for over 15 years now, and early on in our marriage, we just made it a, a, uh, a, a priority that on Monday nights, we were going to set that time aside for us to calendar. <laughs> and so Monday nights is not just that we would have time together, though that's a good thing, but that our time on Monday nights was basically to ensure that we would also have other times together throughout that week. And let me tell you, it's not sexy. 
It's terrible. I hate calendaring. The uh, staff would all laugh at that because at our staff retreat each summer, we kind of calendar for the year, and I always end up saying something like, I, I just wish someone would shoot me. I want to die during this time. I hate calendaring. It's like this meeting with, with Krista every Monday night. It, it, it's like going to the dentist, and I think that she might be offended by that, but I know that she would also say the same thing because oftentimes when Monday night, when we're going to get together and we're going to calendar it's like getting our teeth pulled. We don't have the energy to do it. We don't want to do it, but we do it. You know why? Because busyness is the enemy of intimacy. And we know that if we're going to have a healthy relationship, we got to ensure that we're going to be time, have time together. And so we set Monday nights aside to make sure we set other time aside so that we can have intimacy in our relationship. You guys, here's what we know, and you know this too. If you're going to have intimacy, at least three things are required. I mean, right here, intimacy or relational closeness, it requires this. It requires regular communication. Like you have to have time to talk to each other and listen to each other. And it requires unrushed time. It can't just be, you know, I'll see you in a second or I got this 10 minutes for you, whatever. Like you got to be able to just breathe together. And it requires undivided attention, Right? which means, I know this is scary, but it means you actually have to put the phone down, right? You put it down and look at each other face to face. And these are the things that intimacy requires. And guys, that's why busyness is the enemy of intimacy because busyness and these things can't coexist. And Chris and I know that in our marriage and I think that we all intuitively know that about our relation with God as well. Because, see, what's true for us in our horizontal relationships is true as well in our vertical relation with God. And if we're going to want to have intimate relationship with God, we've got to have time to communicate, time for to hear from him and talk to him, time that's unrushed, and time when we have undivided attention. But here's the problem. When we, and I mean, I'm just so guilty of this as well, okay? But when we get busy, one of the very first things to go, often, is our time with God. Is it not? And I think a part of the reason why our time with God is the first thing to go is because God is not here in physical form saying things like, hey, will you get some time with me? Can I, can I get on your calendar? He's not calling us up and saying, hey, can you fit me in? And he's not knocking on the door and all that stuff and like being there. And so you got all these other demands and all these other opportunities, and they're often really good opportunities. If people are asking for your time and do all this, but God's not one of them, and therefore it's easy to let God be the one that gets pushed to the side, isn't it? I mean, it feels like it would be a lot easier if God really was, you know, here, like Jesus, physical form, similar, like just in the same way that he was in the very first century, right? And he like shows up at your house and says, hey, got any time for me? Like if that would, if he did that, I would think, uh, yeah, I think I could put my to-do list down, Jesus, and come on in and like, let's, let's hang out. Like I would think I would do that, right? Don't you think you would do that? But what's funny is that, um, I don't know if that assumption is actually accurate because there's a story in Scripture found in the Gospel of Luke, right? And Luke compiled all these eyewitness testimonies of people who you know, interacted with Jesus, saw Jesus, 
sat down with Jesus and takes all these stories. He puts them in, in the Gospel of Luke. We have in our Bible. It's amazing. And uh, <laughs> he tells in there one of these stories, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. In fact, if you have a Bible, you want to go there on your phone or something like that, you can look it up because that's where we'll be this morning. But in that passage, he tells the story of a time when Jesus actually comes over to someone's house. And the person he comes to see is too busy to spend time with him. And what I want us to do is I want us to look at this story because it helps get more to the root issue of what really keeps us from making time to be with God or having an intimate relationship with Jesus. So we're going to look at what keeps us from having intimate relation with Jesus and then what will free us to have an intimate relation with Jesus. That's where we're going this morning. So let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And let me just also warn you, this is one of the more awkward interactions that anyone ever has with Jesus in all of the scripture. It's, it's, it's really awesome. So let's read this here. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 begins, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I don't know if you can sense it, but that would have been really awkward. If you were one of Jesus' disciples or you were Mary and you saw this go down, like, you, you're, like things are weird. Right? I mean, picture this. Like if Krista and I were to invite you to our house for a dinner party, and it's you and some of our friends, and we're all, everyone's there, and, and when you get there, Krista comes in, and she, because she's really the hospitable one, like sits down with you, and she's talking with you, and she's hanging out with you. But I'm in the kitchen, right? And I'm trying to finish up dinner, which would be terrible. This would be the worst dinner party ever because I'm not a cook. But let's say, imagination, I'm in the, din- I'm in the kitchen. I'm, I'm cooking, finishing up the food. I'm cleaning things up. And at some point in time, I get so irritated that I just come into the living room and I say, hey, sorry to interrupt, but Krista, don't you care about me? And don't you care that I'm in here slaving away, trying to get things ready for everybody, and you're just in here chatting away, talking with everyone, like get in here and help me. (laughs) That wouldn't go over well. Uh, My guess is that that would be a very short dinner party. And I think everybody would leave really quickly, including Krista. So um, (laughs) that's basically what you have in this story. Like Martha, and I think when she invites, it says she opens up her home for Jesus' disciples to come over. Like when she opens up her home, like I think her intentions were great. I mean, she wanted to serve Jesus and his disciples. She wanted to spend time with Jesus. And so she gets, has him over. But then she, from what she could tell from the passage, I mean, she's busy doing something. doesn't say for sure, but it's probably she's cooking a meal for them. You know, doing all the preparations for this meal. And again, I think her intentions were great. She wants to do something to make, you know, to honor Jesus and, and make him and his disciples comfortable. But in verse 40, that's where it says, ah, uh, uh, It says, she gets very, yeah, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And think about this word distracted, right? This word distracted, it doesn't stand on its own. It it means that you're distracted from something or that you've gotten off track from something or, you know, you've kind of lost perspective. You're off course for something. And somewhere along the way, 
while Mary's sitting there and getting to spend time with Jesus, and Martha's in the kitchen trying to finish all, all this stuff, she thinks she gets distracted. She gets off course. And what she was doing, most likely what she was doing initially for Jesus, and to make Jesus comfortable and to honor Jesus, somewhere along the way, in the midst of the giant to-do list that she wasn't making enough progress on, she started doing it not to make Jesus comfortable, but she was now serving Martha. And she no longer was caring about making Jesus comfortable. And here's how I know that. It's because if she had continued to stay concentrated on making Jesus comfortable, then she wouldn't have barged into the room and interrupted him while he was teaching and made him and everyone else in the room extremely uncomfortable by this statement, don't you care? And my sister's just in here, tell her to come see me. She's bossing him around. She's, she's criticizing the guest of honor. Like, what went wrong? Where did things get off track for her? And what was keeping her from spending time with Jesus who's in her house? And yet she's stuck doing her to-do list. So yeah, initially, I think she really was all about good motives. But somewhere along the way, things got off track. And I don't think, if you had asked her, I don't think that she would have been able to put her finger on it. I don't think that she would have been even aware of what was the thing that was going on in her that was causing her to stay away from Jesus and causing her to criticize him. But Jesus saw it. Jesus saw it. And Jesus' response to Martha in verse uh, 41, it's just, I mean, I love it. It's just so gracious and so insightful. Like in the midst of this really awkward moment, here's what he says to her. First, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. And let me just hit pause real quick and say that that's significant because in ancient semantic language, like the double vocative, Martha, Martha, was used as a, as a way to, to voice like um, tender love or, or care for someone. So in this, it, Jesus is actually even the very beginning uh, responding to Martha's statement, awkward statement, with love and with grace. And he says, ah, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Now think about what, this, what Jesus says here. He doesn't say, Martha, Martha, I see that you're really busy. And you have a big to-do list. Now he doesn't point to her to-do list. But he points to the thing going on inside of her that's making her feel like she has to do her to-do list, right? You see that? And he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. And this word upset, perhaps better translated troubled, that you're worried, you're troubled about many things. He, he points to what's going on in her that's driving her to feel like she has to do all of this preparation, all this to-do list, all of this stuff, See, Jesus saw what was really going on. Martha probably couldn't even recognize that in and of herself at that time. And I don't think that oftentimes we can either. But here's the truth, and this is the kind of one of the big points of this morning. I want you to chew on this. Is that one of the main things that will keep us from having intimacy with God is busyness driven by fear and worry. By fear and worry. That what keeps us from intimacy with Jesus is busyness driven 
by worry and from fear. See, Jesus understood what was driving Martha's business was ultimately not her to-do list, but this worry, this anxiety, this trouble sense. Um, now, that might seem abstract, right? So I was like, well, what does that actually look like? Well, let me give you a couple statements that I have said and I have thought often and I've heard others say that kind of get to what we're talking about here. This worry and fear that drives our business and therefore erodes or destroys our intimacy with God. It's statements like this. Um, I fear that I don't do, if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't have enough or be enough. Or fear that if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't be accepted or acceptable. Or if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't measure up. Friends, you ever thought those things? You ever feel that? You ever, can you see that how this might be one of the things or maybe the thing? Driving your frantic pace and your busy schedule. I tell you, this, like, I'm writing this message and I'm just like confessing sin all along the way. Because I'm like, and I'm just saying, I, mean, I feel this, God. I feel this all the time. This is what keeps me from you. It's like, I feel like I got to measure up and I got to, I just got to keep up and I got to, I don't know if I'm enough. And I got to try harder to be enough and all, the, all of this stuff. Like, these things, these things are like the worries and the fears that drive our busyness, that keep us from intimacy with God. And I think the question is, what can address these fears that drives our busyness and erodes and destroys our intimacy with God? Because here's the thing. If you don't address these fears, then no matter how hard you try to get in, like, over, like in control of your time and your time management skills and stuff like that, it's never going to last because your issue isn't where your time is going. Your issue is why your time is going where it's going. It's, it's these things. It's the worry and anxiety that's making you do what you're doing. you got to address that first in order to have time with God, to have this intimate relation with God. So the big question, I would just put it this way, is what will free us for intimacy with Jesus? What will free us for intimacy with Jesus? And let me tell you, okay, the answer to this question it's powerful, but it's scary, and it's humbling. And I made Krista read this part of the message multiple times because I was afraid of how to say it. Because I, I don't like, part of me does not like hearing what I'm about to say, and I'm guessing that you're not going to like hearing what you're about to say. At least part of you is not going to like this. But here, here's, here's the answer to this question. What will free us? For intimacy with Jesus, what will address these fears that drive our busyness? Friends, the, the answer is that we have to understand that our fears that we're not enough and that we can't do enough and that we're not acceptable, those fears are valid. They're valid. And the problem is, is that we've bought into a lie, but the lie is that we can actually do enough to make up for that. Jenny Allen, in her book, Nothing to Prove, great book, highly recommended. 
She tells this powerful story, right? She is before the second if gathering. Jenny Allen's an, an author. She put together an if gathering, a uh, big women's conference. Before her second gather, before her uh, second if gathering, a couple weeks leading up to it, she was extremely sick, and she was trying to pull together the details of this conference, and things were falling apart. And she was sick, and yet she was working herself to the bone. She was doing everything she possibly could to pull this thing off. And she was just busy, 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 busy trying to make this thing happen. And then finally it happens and she's at the, at the conference and she gives the first talk and she calls it in her book, the shakiest talk that she's ever given. And I'll tell you, I've given some shaky talks. I understand what that feels like. You just want to hide, like you just feel so exposed. And so she, after giving the shakiest talk she says she's ever given, she goes to the back of this giant theater where it's really dark and she just tries to hide and as she's hiding one of her mentors comes up to her and in the book she says this she says um a mentor of mine came to stand beside me and she saw the fear how could she not it was all over me she grabbed my trembling hand and i said aloud the terrifying words that revealed my biggest insecurity What I am so terribly afraid is true of me and that everyone knows. I am not enough for this. In the story, she goes on and she says that her mentor basically responded, I know. None of us are. Jenny goes on to write, no scary truth has ever set me more free. Of course, I hated that she confirmed it because what I thought I wanted was my self-esteem puffed up. I wanted her to tell me I was enough. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be especially gifted and smart and brave. Deep down, I want to be enough. I don't want to keep needing God, but now I've come to the realization that, and man, this is so powerful, It's not my curse that I believe I am not enough. It's my sin that I keep trying to be. Friends, the part of what will free us, the first part of what will free us for intimacy with Jesus is realizing that no matter what we do, no matter how busy we are or how busy we stay, no matter how hard we work, we will never do enough to make us enough, to make us acceptable and make us measure up. But, and here's the second part, and this is the good news. That's why Jesus came to be with us. That's why Jesus came to be with us. That's why Jesus says to Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What's the one thing that Jesus says everyone needs, the, indeed the only thing that everyone needs? He says it's him. This is what Mary had chosen, to be with him. He says, I'm not taking that away from her. See, Mary seems to have gotten this. 
For she had managed to leave her to do, her to-do list to come and sit at Jesus' feet. Which, let me just make a quick aside. I think I have time for this. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I think it's worth pointing out that in this, in this day, in a, uh, at this day the, the, the phrase to sit at someone's feet was a technical description for someone who was a disciple of a rabbi. All right? And so that's a noteworthy because historians say that it was extremely rare for rabbis at that time to take a woman to be a formal disciple. But here we see Jesus doing that, which is just another powerful example of Jesus' affirmation and value that he placed on women. And I kind of get a kick out of this part. Uh, In this story, you also have someone, in this case Martha, actually asking Jesus to send a woman back into the kitchen instead of spending time with him. And he says no, right? Kathy Keller, uh, Tim Keller's wife, she, she calls this uh, her, her uh, kitchen liberation passage. She, she loves this passage. So anyways, I, th- I think that's hilarious. But uh, see, what Mary had chosen to be with Jesus. And Jesus says, this is, this is what's best. She's chosen what's best. See, there's only one thing needed. She's chosen it. That's not going to be taken away from her because here's what Jesus knows. Jesus knows that we need him because he's the only one who can make us enough. And he's the only one who can make us acceptable to God. And he's the only one who can make us measure up. See, guys, this is the gospel. The good news of Jesus is that when we were not enough and could not do enough to be found acceptable, uh, acceptable to God, when we, as Romans 3.23, all fell short of the glory of God, Jesus substituted his life for ours so that through faith in him we could receive his righteousness, meaning his perfect record, his perfect resume could be given to us so that in Christ we can therefore be found acceptable, declared, justified, welcomed as being enough in him. We can measure up in him. I love the old hymn that says this. Cast your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. See, guys, that's what Jesus has made possible. And that's why he is the only one, truly, that we need. See, what will free us for intimacy with Jesus? Part one of this answer is this. It's realizing that our fears that drive our busyness are valid, but our belief that we can do enough is a lie. But part two is realizing that instead of trying to achieve something we can never achieve, we choose to receive from him what he's purchased on our behalf. And when we see that, that he is the one thing we truly need, then we will be freed from our striving and free to draw close to him, to spend time with him, and to intimately connect with him. It will free us to do that. Or to put it another way, when we see the beauty 
of Jesus. When we see the beauty of Jesus, how he alone can satisfy our deepest longings to measure up and to be acceptable, then we will want to be with him. For when we see that he is enough and so we don't have to be, our hearts will be freed and we will be drawn to him. Um, my senior year in college, I was taking, uh, I took 24 hours one semester. I know. It was A&M. It's easier than UT. Um, <laughs> the, uh, actually, I, I did save all of my electives that, for that, that semester, and so it was easier because I was taking, I actually took a class called Outdoor Leisure. It was, it was, it was, it was actually harder than it sounds, but yeah, whoop. All right, so, um, but I did. I took 24 hours. It was crazy. And I had a job. I was driving buses for College Station ISD. And I was leading a ministry team for our church. And I met Krista. And we began to date. And I was crazy busy. I mean, crazy, crazy busy. I had, I don't like, I did not sleep very much that, uh, that, that semester. But you know what? I managed to always find time to spend with her. I, I, there, I always could figure out a way to get some time with Krista. It was just something about her beauty. Of course, inwardly and outwardly, right? I mean, yeah, of course. But like her beauty, that made me find a way to get time with her. Because beauty does that. When you are captivated by someone or something that has a powerful, that has a powerful clarifying effect on our priorities, does it not? If you have been too busy to spend time with Jesus, friends, the solution is not better time management. The first part of the solution is to identify the fears that are driving your busyness and then admitting that no matter how hard you try, you will never fully put to rest your fears by your own doing. And the second part of the solution is to behold the beauty of Jesus. To see how he is truly the one thing that we need. For he is the only one who can put to rest our fears. And when you see that, you will be a you will be freed to abide in him. You will want to draw near to him, and you will make time to spend with him. For we order our lives by what we love. This year, the leaders of our church family, our elders, staff, our women's leadership team, our MC leaders, and our huddle leaders, we've all been talking about this. We believe that God is leading us as a church to invite all of us to lean in into abiding with Christ this year, to connect with God. And we want to help each other more fully know and experience who God is and how much he loves us, that we would abide in him, that we would have an intimate relationship with him. And we're going to have, uh, as this series rolls out, and then we have our big annual family gathering in, uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk more about the specifics of what that's going to look like and how we're going to try to help each other lean into this and more fully connect with God and know him. 
But for now, in this message, on this Sunday, here's what I want to ask you to consider. A couple of things, three things really, that I want to ask you to do this week in light of what we've just been talking about. The first thing is this. I want to ask you to evaluate the intimacy of your relationship with God. To evaluate the intimacy of your relationship with God. That if intimacy requires communication with talking and listening, and if intimacy requires unrushed time and undivided attention, then what, what degree are you experiencing intimacy with God? Take time to just evaluate that, friends. The second thing I want to ask you to do is, is um, because busyness is the enemy of intimacy, I'm asking you to identify what's driving your busyness. Just identify what, what's driving your busyness. It's not, here's the clue we've learned from here, it's not just your to-do list. It's the reason why you feel like you got to do that to-do list. What are the worries? What are the fears? Take some time, maybe even this afternoon, and begin to try to identify that. And then the last thing I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you to pray something this week. That you would specifically take time in the morning either right before you eat breakfast or before you drink that first cup of coffee or while you're driving to work or while you're walking to class. You would just pray this prayer. You can take a picture of it. We're going to put it on our Instagram page, but we, this is the prayer, that, or you can write it down. <laughs> That's a novel idea. There's actually use pen and paper. But um, here's what I want to ask you to pray. Father, I'm often worried and upset about many things. Will you help me see that only one thing is needed? Move me to choose to spend time with Jesus, believing he is what's better. Would you pray that each day this week? That God would may, may begin to work in our hearts to help us see that he truly is the one thing that's needed. We're going to end today by taking communion, as we do every Sunday. And uh, elements are up here and on the back tables. Anyone who has uh, placed their faith alone in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and to be reconciled to God, you're invited to come and take communion. You don't have to be a partner here. If you haven't believed that yet, again, we love that you're here. We, wanna, we don't want you to, to feel pressure, participate in something that you don't actually believe is true. And so we'd ask that you would use this time to pray and ask God, is it true? Do, God, do you really want to be with me so much that, you, Jesus, you suffer the righteous for the unrighteous to bring me to God? Is that true? And if you do believe that, come join us in taking communion. But as we take communion, for those, for those that are going to take, here's what I would like to ask you to reflect on. As I ask you to reflect on the fact that it is what we're remembering here. Jesus' body broken for us, his blood spilled out for us, is the thing that has made it possible for us to have intimacy with God. That what he, we're remembering here is the thing that's made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And that he has loved you to and loves you to this degree. And as you remember that, may his love for you and his beauty that he would do this for you begin to compel you to want to spend more time with him. And may you see what he's done for you to enable you to be acceptable to God and measure up and be enough. May you rejoice in that. And may it draw you, your heart to him. 
Let's reflect on that by taking communion and let's respond to that truth and worship. And then let's live it with God this week. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, this is good news. But God, we, we're like Martha. We're just so often, we don't even, we're not even aware of what's driving us. We just know that we got a lot to do, a lot to keep up with, and we got to just get it done. God, would you, would you help us evaluate and identify what is driving that? What are these worries and fears that we have that drive our busyness? And then, God, would you help us see how there's really only one thing that's needed, and that's Jesus, because he's the one who calms our fears. For in him, we measure up, and in him, we're accepted, and in him, we're enough. So, God, would you use that truth to draw us to you, to make Christ beautiful in our eyes? And as we take communion, God, would you do that work right now? Free us for intimacy with you. It's amazing that you want us, to, you want time with us. You want to spend time with us. God, will you help us want to spend time with you? We love you, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.